Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Good morning and welcome to Real Presence Live. This is your host this morning, Father Jason Leffer, and we are broadcasting from the studios at St. Mary's in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Um, it's always such a privilege to be here at the heart of where Real Presence Radio began. This was the, the beginning place here in Grand Forks, and it was a tremendous, uh, well, so far the week is only half over, tremendous week for Real Presence Radio. We had the awesome um, banquet in Fargo on Monday, as myself and 950 of my closest friends there with uh, uh, Johnette Williams and a powerful experience and fundraiser for the whole Real Presence Radio. And, uh, and we were reminded we have 24 signals out there broadcasting um, the word alive, Jesus Christ, to all of our listeners in this day of the new evangelization, the word going forth into people's hearts, minds, and imaginations. And it is an absolute privilege uh, to be with you this morning and, and to help facilitate that evangelization. Let all things we begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God, our Father in heaven, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you, we glorify you. Heavenly Father, send your great glory, the Holy Spirit, upon us and in us, in our hearts, our minds, our imaginations, our memories. Awaken within us our spiritual faculties, increase our faith, our hope, and help us to be your living charity in this world. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, Gregory. Good morning, Father. How are you this morning? I am doing pretty well. Are you are you bright-eyed and bushy-tailed? You've had a busy week so far. Yeah, well, it was nice to get a full uh, night of sleep. That's all I know. Yeah, so, I saw you. You were you you did a great job. You and your crack staff there at the at the banquet. That was awesome to be part of all that on Monday. That was very inspiring. Well, thanks, Father. It was a lot of fun. So. Yeah. You know, why don't uh, let's hop in? Tell us what we have upcoming forth in today's program because I think after you get us excited for what's going on, I have some things I want to remind people of too. So, why, why, hit us with what you got in, on our our program today, Gregory. Okay, so coming up this morning, have you ever been involved in the occult or New Age practices? The Diocese of New Ulm has a prayer team specifically trained to help you find healing in those areas of your life where you may have been wounded. And we could all use a little more hope. Catholic Family Services of Eastern South Dakota is offering just that, a gift of hope. Tune in to hear the details about this gift. And have you ever thought about cultivating a community of prayer? Principal Christopher Smith from Holy Spirit School in Rochester, Minnesota will be on to share what things he and his staff are doing to create a community of prayer within themselves, the students, and the whole Rochester Catholic School system. All this and much more coming up this morning. That is great. You know, and again, at the top of the hour, people want to stay tuned because Gregory's going to let us know if we have faith formation tonight or not in all of our listening area. <laughs> uh, in my in my area, my, my good parishes where I'm from, uh, St. John's and 
Pisic and uh, St. Joseph's in Lincoln and St. Peter and Paul in Beckany, three of the last four Wednesdays have been canceled because of your prognostication, Gregory, the well, blizzards. Father, I can give you a tiny little b- a hint about what's coming up in the weather. Um, one of the main words that are, c- keeps getting repeated starts with an S and ends with a W. So. Oh, gosh, I'll have to figure out what that <laughs> would be. You know, and then also, just so our listeners, you want to stay tuned because in that second hour, we, we have ticket giveaway, or I should say plural, tickets to give away for uh, an exciting concert christian concert it will tease you a little bit we're not going to tell you the artist until uh the second hour but just you want to stay tuned because you you can call in and win those tickets so you want to and you definitely want to stay tuned because get this gregory we are going to be talking with the pastor of the hub city of southwestern north dakota leffer saint elizabeth catholic church in leffer north dakota he's going to be on air with us this morning that, of course, is my hometown. That is where the glory of God shines. And so, you listeners, you're going to stay tuned and find out all about Leffer, North Dakota. You just, you just got us. So that's all, that's all coming up. So, Gregory, thanks. We'll check in with you at the top of the hour. Sounds good, Father. Okay. Now, we're going to um, hop on over to the Diocese of New Ulm. We have with us this morning Deacon Mike McEwen. And uh, he kind of has a specialty here in uh, all things spiritual, and especially the the darker side of things, um, into the cult and uh, things like that. Uh, good morning, Deacon Mike. Are you with us? Yes. Good morning, Father. Good morning. Can you give us a, just a quick, uh, you know, who are you and, and why is it that you've uh, kind of become a, a, a voice uh, in regard to these matters? Uh, yeah, I... Um I have been a deacon for six years, and I work for the Diocese of New Alma as Director of Healing Ministry. And part of that ministry um, is deliverance prayer. And deliverance prayer runs the gamut from anything with just dealing with our own our own woundedness in different areas, um, fears and anger and things like that, all the way over to uh, sometimes the occult side, people that have been involved in occult and new age practices and are having problems in their spiritual life because of that okay and, and so just you know uh, somebody that just this week they said well father what do you think of that that whole charismatic thing isn't that kind of weird and all that or whatever and i i looked at him and i said you mean the holy spirit i said yes the holy spirit is part of the trinity and our faith and and sometimes we don't do a good job of actually proclaiming the holy spirit that divine spirit and all things with that and we can look at satan himself is always doing the anti-spirit, right? The the dark side, the, the evil spirit. And I think sometimes people will think, you know, of Ouija boards and horoscopes, tarot cards, that kind of thing. Um, but but what else What else kind of falls in this category that we're going to look at here in a, across a number of segments in the upcoming show program? Well, you know, there's um, many occult or New Age practices that are popping up around us, especially as people are looking to other sources for spirituality other than the Church. And some of these especially are in the field of natural and alternative medicine. And these can cause real spiritual problems, things like Reiki or healing hands, radionics, yoga, crystal therapy, and things like that. And most of these deal with manipulating or releasing what New Agers refer to as life force energy, but they, they... uh, say is in each of us and it's in all of creation and so you know a lot of that energy healing is directing energy 
Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna get into these topics that you you've listed across a, a number of programs, and you know the limited nature that we have in each of these programs, we want to focus in here and maybe get some uh, some value in knowledge and understanding. This morning we want to look at yoga and energy healing. B- before we talk about that, though, what help us? Why why should we be leery of this? Why I mean, isn't God in all things and isn't you know, if it's his energy is out there, we, we want to be part of that. Why, why should we be cautious ab- about when we hear these things? You know, oftentimes when you hear that word <clears throat> energy or life force, it, it seems like a natural thing. But at the same time, that usually is a code word for spirit. Um, so, you know, when you, when you look at, uh, you know, yoga, for instance, and, and we, we find yoga everywhere. You see it in fitness centers and schools and, you know, even Catholic parishes and schools. And it's always presented as a a holistic exercise for physical and psychological health. But in this case, you know, Christians need to be aware that yoga was never intended to be an exercise or a relaxation program just for, for relieving stress. You know, it can have some of those physical benefits, but it can also weaken our relationship with God. No, okay. So here I think this would help myself and the listeners to remind so that that first commandment says that there's there's one God, you shall not have false gods before you. And I think sometimes as Christians we're so used to hearing that there's one God, we don't believe when we hear there's other gods. And there's other gods with a small g, meaning they're they're creatures, they were created by God these spirits, but they're they're fallen spirits. And they really do. And now those spiritual principles, they need things like physical things to mm-hmm. attach themselves to, to come into. So how, so yeah, you, like you said, there's benefits of doing an exercise like yoga, but what's the negative side if you give yourself over to that exercise? Why, why is it dangerous with one of these little gods or spirits? Why, how do they use that to affect you? You know, that it's a really good question and probably the, the best, uh, answer that I've seen from a bishop is Archbishop Nauman of Kansas City. And he wrote an excellent article for yoga, and it was mainly for, for the people of his diocese that was in his diocesan newspaper. You know, but in that article, he talked about how the word yoga means to yoke together or to bind. And several of these yoga positions, are, or all of them actually, were developed as a means of physically inviting a Hindu god to be in union with you. And those Hindu gods, as you mentioned, aren't really gods. You know, they're, they're not an alternative god. They are an actual spirit or a demon. And so a lot of people think, well, I don't do that spiritual stuff. I can separate what I'm doing from the spiritual aspect. But at its core, yoga is a spiritual practice, and even yoga masters will tell you, you can't separate the spiritual from the physical aspects of yoga. You know, and I, as Catholics, we're very incarnational. I always remind people, you know, as, as we're a body-soul relationship, death, death is defined as the separation of your body and soul. That's not a good thing. On the flip side, there's nothing you can do physically that doesn't affect your spirit, and there's nothing you do spiritually that doesn't affect your physical body. So these spirits, they need some some ticket in, some avenue in, some doorway in. Isn't that correct? And isn't that what yoga does? Yeah, and I know this is controversial. There are a lot of people that will say, well, you know, I I practice yoga and I I don't experience those things. 
But, you know, studies show that the deeper that you get into yoga, the more common it is to experience spiritual side effects. Things like uh, stress or anger or this kind of feeling of addiction where I need that yoga in order to, to keep going. And um, I, I don't want to say that every person that has ever done yoga or, you know, been in a yoga class is spiritually afflicted, but the dangers are real. And the more a person practices yoga, the more susceptible they become to that spiritual affliction. So now as Christians, we, we believe in the health of the body, the health of the soul. We believe in exercise and all this. Is Maybe there's somebody out there right now who this is the first they're hearing and, and they didn't realize this, or maybe they're experiencing some of those things that you've mentioned. Is there a healthy alternative to yoga, or is there something in a, in a healthy Christian way that you can you can get the same benefit without the dangers of being exposed to bad spirits? Yeah, and that, that's a really good question because if, if people are focusing on, you know, the stretches, the breathing, you know, some of this stuff and, and want to, to get away from the, the Eastern spirituality or the New Age aspect, uh, programs that I've researched and heard of are Piazza Fitness, Soul Core, Catholics, and these are Catholic programs. So, you know, they incorporate uh, Catholic prayer, and, you know, I know sometimes people say in yoga we do, we chant Jesus or we do Catholic prayer, but, you know, this is moving away from the format of, uh, you know, the postures and the, and the typical things that you find in the yoga class. Thank you for listening to Real Presence Live. Uh, this is your host, Father Leffer. We were with Deacon Mike McEwen of the New Ulm Diocese. We're, we're talking about um, just the, the darker side of the spiritual world, kind of the dangers of a cult and, and all things associated with that and so forth. And we've been discussing here yoga, the, the goods and, and the negatives of it. And now, uh, so Deacon, also you're talking about energy healing. And could you kind of define that for us a little bit? There might be a lot of listeners who don't have never heard of that or don't know what that is. Yeah, well, even though people don't always hear uh, energy healing, they may have heard of things like healing hands, Reiki, radionics, uh, crystal therapy, and, and some of those. And some of these are even offered in Catholic hospitals, which can be uh, disappointing at times. And what what energy healing is, is you know, we recognize, like you said, that the Christian, the Christian understanding is that we are made up of mind, body, and spirit. And so when an energy healer begins to direct or manipulate what they refer to as this life force energy within us, we're actually allowing them to access and manipulate our spirit. And it kind of works like a, a sexually transmitted disease. You know, you could refer to it as a spiritually transmitted disease. So you go to someone who does energy work on you, and your spirit is not only communicating with the spirit of the person doing that therapy, but they've also been affected by the spirits of others that they've worked on. So when you receive that energy work, they can pass on some of that spiritual, you know, those spiritual problems to you. Now, on the flip side, like a positive Holy Spirit inner healing is when, I mean, literally priests or other um, mature Christians who understand the charisms and so forth and are laying on of hands, invoking the Holy Spirit, calling down the, the, the Spirit of God and, and truth. Could you give us a word about you know the positive inner healing that's available? Sure, and I, I guess that's uh, you know realizing that God is not an impersonal life force or energy. 
of the Holy Spirit as a person. He's not, he's not a force that runs through us, and a lot of times people get that confused. But the Holy Spirit um, uh, is God, so when we have the Holy Spirit bringing that healing, when we're inviting uh, God to touch those areas of our heart that have been wounded, when we invite the Holy Spirit to, to give us his peace that a lot of people are, are looking for in some of these alternative uh, medicines and therapies, um, it's God who brings that. It's God who uh, brings unity to mind, body, and spirit, and and it's a, it's very different than uh, life force energy. You know, and I even, I just want to give a word out to my brother priest, how I was, I'm just thinking of a real incident this past Sunday where uh, there's a gentleman who's not doing so well, but he was at mass and coming out and, and the spirit just said, lay your hands on him, invoke the Holy Spirit, ask me to touch him and heal him. You know, and I just, as people are going by just gently, you know, Hey, sir, would it be okay if I just said a prayer for you right now? He's like, Oh yes, please father. You know, and is able to just use the priestly ministry there, put hands on him. And, and it wasn't in a big showy way or anything. People thought I was probably just talking to him, but just invoke the Holy Spirit over him, asking him to come into him and, and touch him and to heal him. And, and that, that's part of our Christian life. And even, even parents, um, they can bless their children at night. They can make the sign of the cross on their children and ask God's blessings. There's all kinds of ways of, you know, God the Father says in, you know, Corinthians there, I have every good blessing here in, in store for you. And I think sometimes we forget to just invoke the Spirit who's there waiting for us to to apply him. You know, Deacon Mike, this is so good. Thank you so much. We look forward to your segments in the future. We're just beginning here. I know you have so much more to, to offer and to, to teach us. Um, keep up your good work and your good ministry. Okay? All right. Thank you, Father. All right. With such an important topic, perhaps we can all think uh, in our minds, just remember St. Michael the Archangel, that prayer. Uh, if you don't know that prayer, you can catch it on the EWTN website. Um, but to invoke St. Michael as we go, that's, that's a real thing. He's very powerful against uh, discernment of spirits and, and evil and keeping goodness and the Holy Spirit with you. Now, when we return, I'll share a little bit with you what's on my mind. This is Real Presence Live, local, engaging, live on the Real Presence Radio Network. People think A&B is in the copier business, but we're not. We are in the people business. Whether it's coffee and water, managed print services, document management, or our newest additions of promo gear and managed IT services, we've got you covered. At A&B, we're number two because our customers are number one. We can be reached at 1-800-477-2425 or online at abbusiness.com. We all appreciate the comforting things in life. Great food, laughter, celebrating mass together, and friendships. Here at Riverview, we have all those things and more. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. With Senior Independent Living Apartments and our Crosshaven neighborhood for those seniors who need a little more assistance, it is the sense of community here that makes Riverview home to all of us. Contact me, Carrie Dew, or Kelly Brecky for a tour at 701-237-4700 or online at homeishere.org. Hi everyone, Steve Sponskowski here, Executive Director for the RPR Network, inviting you on the Real Presence Radio Northern California Mission Pilgrimage, April 4th through 9th, 2019. 
We will visit some of the missions of St. Junipero Serra, the wine country of the Sonoma Valley, and sites of San Francisco. We'll be staying at a beautiful retreat center with easy day trips to the sites. Cost based on double occupancy is $1,936, or if you want to get your own flight, it's $1,358. For more information, please call 877-795-0122. Our Catholic listeners, it's probably the, the majority of you that are that are listening and calling in and and giving, we appreciate that so much, and uh, and it's just an opportunity to continue to grow, you know, to continue to grow in your faith. We know our faith isn't isn't limited to what you know in your head, but what you know in your head does help move your heart. And Catholic Radio is a great opportunity to engage in the faith, to learn more, to learn more about doctrine, to learn more about the gospel, to learn more about the scriptures and those essential elements of our faith. I also know that Catholic Radio really helps to reach people who would never darken the doors of a Catholic church, who, mm. who don't know, who don't have a, a relationship with the church, and yet, you know, through whatever reasons, God's providence, they find themselves listening to this radio station. And, uh, and, I, and I personally know that that's, that's been the source, or that's helped many people on the way to conversion and deeper faith in Jesus Christ and, and the life of the church and the sacraments. So... This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you local hosts and guests from across the region. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Leffer. We are broadcasting from the heart of our 24 signals across our listening area, our, our broad range, and ever-expanding uh, Word of God coming to you across these airwaves. Um, it is just such a joy to be with you this morning. Um, now, some, some reminders here for folks who are tuning in. You're going to want to listen in the second hour. We're, going to give, uh, we're giving tickets, plural, tickets away uh, for a Christian concert coming up. A great opportunity. You'll be excited to know who it is, but I'm not going to tell you yet who it is. So you tune in and you listen. So our callers will have a chance there to win some tickets in the next hour. Now, at this time, so um, we begin our... our I love this next portion of the programming. It's called Straight Talk. It, that starts at half of the hour. But a little warm-up, I'll just uh, share some things that are on my mind here uh, with, with our listeners to kind of get a warm-up for you. Those of you who are thinking about calling in for the Straight Talk, that number is one 795 It's a toll-free number across the listening area. Again, it's one 795 You want to be thinking of your questions, comments, concerns, what's on your mind, uh, just out in the whole world, but from a Catholic perspective, or doesn't even have to be from a Catholic perspective. It's your opportunity to be heard uh, live on air with me. And so you want to think about calling in, we'll start that at half past the hour. And that number again is 877-795-0122. Look forward to hearing uh, from you on air. Now, here's something. <clears throat> 6 a.m. on Sunday mornings, I drive across the, the dark, <laughs> blurry prairie as I head to my first mission mass. Um, and I always listen to Celtic Connection. It's on EWTN at that time, and it's lovely because you can hear the, the Irish brogue and everything going on. Well, this past Sunday, um, I heard they were talking about Hungary, and not Hungary as in food, Hungary as the country, and the rosary, and just this incredible kind of stuff that was happening. However, no, that piqued my interest because 
my ethnic background, I have a bit of that in me. I'm what's known as a geranium. A geranium, that's right. My mom was 100% Ukrainian. My dad is a German-Hungarian. So that you put that together and you get a geranium. So I'm a, I'm a geranium. And I, and I grew up with some Hungarian foods. And so when I hear about the country of Hungary, I'm always like, hey, that's what's that about? What's going on? Well, here's something I want to share with you. Okay, so a few years back, uh, I saw this video called The uh, Demographics of Winter. I was talking about how across the world, across the globe, especially in Europe, um, nations are no longer, Christian nations especially, are no longer replacing themselves, meaning their birth rate has dropped below replacement level. You, you need a 2.1 replacement level in order to just maintain. If, if you have 2.1, you're just maintaining. You're not growing. You're not, um, you're not thriving, but you're, you're holding your own. Anything below a 2.1 replacement rate and you're, you're declining, you're disappearing. So to put, so you understand what this means. To be a healthy society, for every one person on top of the pyramid, you need 10, 10 down below in order for the, the country, the nation to be healthy. When, when you go below 2.1 replacement rate, you end up with 10 people at the top and one person at the bottom. And it's at that point where just things start to implode as far as a nation goes and so forth. You're, you're not going to be able to sustain yourself economically or, or, or other ways. Okay. Now, all of Europe is in a negative replacement rate. They're, they're well below 2.1. Well, the, the nation of Hungary, they're well below 2.1. They have a 1.4 replacement rate, which means they're dying. They're disappearing off the face of the earth. Those Hungarians, they're disappearing. And uh, there's not many of them, actually. Um, I've heard, I think the number was 10 million maybe or something like this. Okay, it's not not a lot compared to the world population. And if they're only reproducing 1.45 per, per, per couple, it's you can do the math and in a short time, they're just gonna be gone as they're gonna be extinct, right? Well, here's something that was fascinating. So this this uh, nun was speaking on the radio, and she said, "Way uh, way back, so about 1950, there was this uh, this uh, brilliant Catholic cardinal. He's now up for a canonization. His name was Cardinal Minzetti. I believe I'm saying that properly. But anyway, he he looked out. Now communism had come in to the nation, and he looked out and he said, "Look, the, these communistic principles are they're going to destroy us." And so he was a strong believer in the powerful intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So he started this movement where he said, we need to get every 10th Hungarian committed to praying the rosary daily if we want to get this changed around. And so he started this active campaign where people were evangelized to pray the rosary and to actually commit themselves to a daily prayer of the rosary. And he, his goal was to get, get 1 million out of 10 million committed to daily praying the rosary in the land of Hungary. Well, he worked and worked and worked for years, for years and for years and for years. And with, with this nonsense, it was incredible. She said, at the moment that they reached the 1 million mark where in the, the chancery offices they had in writing 1 million Hungarians who were committed to praying that rosary every day, guess what happened? Communism fell. It fell. They went through this whole political changeover, upheaval, the you know the evils that are associated with communism, which is anti-God, anti-Christian, came to an end. 
and then you know and it's taken a while now for the government to get stable there and so forth and um but now their their new prime minister it, it's pretty interesting he he is he is putting in place now uh, pro-life and pro-family um policies for example so just this week even he he announced he said um families who have four children will, are not going to have to pay income tax okay um families that that and again i know all the details in these things but basically families with multiple children um the government will help them get a van for transportation right i mean they're they're, they're doing all these incredible things to and and basically he looked at it and, and he just said um he's a proud hungarian he doesn't want his people to disappear off the face of the earth he did the math he looked at it and said now his goal for their nation is by the year 2030 that they'll be back at a, at least a 2.1 replacement rate so they're not disappearing anymore they're at least holding steady but what what's so beautiful about this is he he's actively talking about these things he's actively admitting these things saying god created us to reproduce and fill the earth and um you know there's there's really unique things like just take the hungarian people for example the language they speak is incredibly difficult every four-year-old hungarian can speak hungarian fluently right it's a very difficult language to, to come and learn where well if if they don't reproduce that's going to be gone we're not going to hear the hungarian language on the face of the earth anymore right and now some of his policies in the, on a world level are kind of controversial or whatever and people are but i just i wanted to bring this to people's attention look there there was cardinal Manzetti back in 1950 and he said if we follow these communist principles we're going to disappear off the face of the earth he was wise enough to inform the people let's pray the rosary let's get committed they pray the rosary communism falls and now here's this political leader who's saying hey let's be pro-life let's be pro-life it's a beautiful story and uh, and i hope that others in the world would hear that so I am very interested in what people have to say about that or other topics this morning. There it is. That's our, okay, permission to, to call in. Um, so we've got a straight talk for the next half hour here. Uh, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you what's on your heart, what's on your mind, what's percolating, what things that concern you. There are many, many things going on, not not just in the Catholic world, especially in the Catholic world right now, but in the, in the whole world, you know, locally, nationally, internationally. Um, there's so many things that we could talk about. You know, t today the, the Holy Father is uh, calling together the uh, the heads of the bishops' conferences from all over the world. They're having a, a, a conference there in, in Rome. That may be something we, we want to talk about. Um, and there's... Uh, there's many other things that we could could look at or talk about and so um i want to know what's on your mind okay you uh call one 795 122 uh with your questions your comments or concerns 877-795-0122 we also will take you in on uh, facebook or email um if some of you have my phone number you can send in texts and um, I'm looking at the board here okay so 
I got I, I received a text here, so we'll we'll get started with this one. It's from a listener. His name is Robert, and Robert says here, um, "Is it possible to use the liturgy as a tool for evangelization?" Um, you know, the short answer to that is yes. Um, but what I would say is this: I never want to reduce the liturgy down to a utilitarian purpose. Um, but there is all kinds of fruitfulness that come forth from a liturgy that is well done. Um, so yes, by its very nature, the liturgy is evangelization. So the word evangelization means um, that you come to to hear, to know, to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is Lord and Savior, and uh, you believe he's real and true, and, and that uh, he is personal uh, to you. You come to believe that he is your Savior. Well, one of the main ways in which we can um, possibly um, be evangelized is to encounter the living Lord Jesus Christ in the liturgy. The liturgy is the Son of God offering himself to the Father in atonement for our sins and the Father offering his Son to us to become one with us in all things that we might become one with him. We do this through an act of worship of praise and worship with all the uh, the angels and the saints and um, and and so we're all together in that and um, if the liturgy is done well even if you're not Christian even if you're not Catholic even maybe you are Christian you are Catholic but it, it speaks to your heart it speaks to your soul it speaks to your five senses it speaks to your intellect um, and it draws you in right it, it draws you in okay um, so I'm looking at the board here, and we do, uh, we have a listener online. Uh, we, uh, Sue is with us. Oh, she's on, on the phone. Um, good morning, Sue. Yeah. Are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning, Father. What is on your heart or your mind this morning, Sue? Well, my question is about the, uh, if you have a cremation at the funeral, can it be a, a, a traditional funeral mass if you have cremated remains? Okay. Okay. So that, boy, this, so the, the question here is about, uh, yeah, cremation, cremains, this kind of thing. Um, you know, th- this is a, it, it's a pretty sensitive topic right now, actually. Um, the, the lived experience as, a, as a pastor at, at this time is, um, many people are actually turning to cremation for, for, for the funeral. Now, just want to give a brief history on this. Um, traditionally, Cremation is not part of the Christian expression. Um, in the in the ancient days, it, w- it was pagans who would burn the bodies and so forth. We as Christians, we believe in the resurrection of the body. The body is sacred to us. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his body from the dead. We believe in the resurrection of our own bodies from the dead. Um, we are a body-soul um, uh, duality, unity. In, in life and so in eternal life and so things that we do when so death itself is is defined as the separation of the body and the soul okay and and but so we when we come to that moment of death we're we're not just concerned about the salvation of the soul we're concerned about the salvation of the body as well now up until recent times the church did not allow cremation uh, because in in earlier days um the act of cremation was seen as an uh, as a a way of saying, "Hey, I don't believe in the resurrection of the body," and and people would would um, have their bodies cremated to say, like, "There, you know, God can possibly raise my my body from the dead. It's been destroyed now." 
And but in recent days, the church has said, well, well actually, you know, it's 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 not that God can't raise a cremated body from the dead. Of course, He can, you know, in into into eternal glory. And and the, so this has come by steps. Initially, the bishop said, okay, under certain circumstances, they would grant permission, but you need the bishop's permission um, in order to have uh, cremated remains at the funeral. Okay. More recently, here it's been given uh, just general indulge to say like okay yeah uh, you don't need permission from the bishop but you know go ahead and you, you can have uh, the cremains there uh, at it now one of the main reasons um, that a lot of people are turning to cremation is it's a lot less expensive than than having the body there and so forth if if people actually read the guidelines though what the church says is she says okay a cremation can be allowed but Technically, you're supposed to have the funeral and the funeral rites with the body present, and only after those funeral rites are completed, then does the cremation take place, and and you can have a cremation. Now, well, in practical reality, that's not happening. You know, what's happening is people are just they're being cremated, and then then you have the funeral rites. And if you look at those funeral rites, it does change the prayers and so forth. Those prayers are directed towards the body. Well, now you don't have the body present and so it really does affect the sacramental expression of what's happening through word and sign um, um at that liturgy and i know talking to different priests they, they have different ways of trying to accommodate it and and so forth uh, but there definitely is a difference there and then something else i want the listeners to think about when you have these cremains suddenly things change like um, if the body's cremated, suddenly there isn't pressure to have the funeral immediately, right? And suddenly there, people are thinking of things like, oh, well, I'm going to take these cremains and hold on to them, and I'm not going to place them in the ground. Or they're doing other, other abusive things with those cremains. And the church is very adamant. If somebody is cremated in a timely fashion, you need you know have that funeral take place. They, they need to be committed to the earth in a very proper and, and dignified way and because we still believe in the resurrection of the body okay is uh, is that helpful for you it's, yes it is very helpful is, Thank is you there so anything much. is there anything specifically um, on your heart or your mind that in regard to that or why you're asking today oh well my mother is 90 years old and she's been talking about cremation and I'm just trying to talk her out of that so uh, um, I, I like that that you say uh, have the body present for the funeral, and then uh, the cremation. You know, and, and part of this, what I'd encourage is, um, what you can try, try, you know, approach your mom from perspective of listening. Like, mom, what are your concerns? What, what, what's the appeal here for you? What, what are you thinking about, or what, you know? And do a good job of listening to her and hearing her concerns mm-hmm. and what's going on, and then. Hopefully, she'd be open to hearing your concerns. To say, well, exactly. you know, Mom, your decision affects us, too. It affects our faith, our expression, how how we are together in this. You know, and so I really encourage you to have, you know, just a healthy dialogue there with, with your mom before that day comes. So Very good. Yes, I will. Okay. All right. God's blessings to you. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, Gregory, are you there? I am, Father. It says here on the board that uh, that you have a question there. Yes, I do have a question. Um, so I was wondering about the readings this morning um, where Jesus heals the blind man. He, yes. 
he spits first of all there's that he uses spittle um and i was wondering why he used um why he used the spittle instead of you know um beforehand in many of the miracles in the bible he heals people from like great distances um and then other miracle um oh and the other part of the miracle that i was wondering about was he like the first time it didn't seem to work or you know it didn't (laughs) go through all the way so um like why do you think that happened yeah okay well i'm I'm not going to claim to know the mind of christ but i think i mean there's a lot of you know kind of speculation on the humorous side gregory the first thing that strikes me i can remember sitting in the car on the way to church and my mom spitting in a hanky and trying to make my rooster tails go down (laughs) so that's that's the first thing you know um you know there's something about there's actually healing power in saliva I mean, and if you think about it on a, on a very natural level, um, think of like uh, if you have a dog or a cat, if they get wounded, they they use their saliva to, to lick and to bring healing, right? So the first thing I would say is there's healing power in that saliva, okay? The other thing I'd, I'd say it reminds us, it takes us back to the original creation when God takes matter and he breathes the breath of life into it. And, and there's a combination there. So here's Jesus, who is the Son of God, and he uses natural things to heal us naturally, right? So he's using his breath and, and the saliva, which has healing power in it, as kind of a sacramental. And um, now, is that the only way he could do it? No, because you've mentioned, well, he, he can heal from a distance. He can heal by laying. Other people says they just touch him and power goes out. So there's obviously these different ways of expression, but it really seems like there's some kind of importance there about the physicalness and the spiritualness, right? And in that interaction with um, with uh, the, the healing of this man, there's something else that happens, which is Jesus speaks to him and asks him, which, which I find fascinating. You know, so so he, he does spittle, he rubs it in his eyes. And the other thing is he took him away from the people. That That's another part of this, right? He takes him away from the people and he has this very intimate experience with this man. And then it, it's almost as if Jesus knew he wasn't fully healed. It, it's almost as if Jesus was expecting something from this man because he says to him, can you see? Are you able to see? And the man says, well, kind of, but not really you know and um so then then it says that jesus then i I believe it says he puts his hands on him and then it says that the fullness of the healing comes there and you know a thought that i have on that one gregory is that um think about this in our own lives you know when you think about the confessional you can think about a, a physical healing you can think about the majority of the time healing comes in stages or phases you know think about even when you cut yourself you know the first thing you need you put a band-aid on there and then after the band-aid's done then you put some salve on there and after that you gotta be careful so you don't break it over get infection you know there's these stages to healing and so it's almost like jesus like well i can heal in stages as well and it's almost like well i'm healing according to the level that this man is able to receive healing and and so it's like Jesus respecting this man in these stages of healing. And and the man asks, he has to claim it. Uh, no, I'm not fully healed. You know, okay, well then let's let's take you deeper. Let's go deeper with you. Are, are you ready to be fully healed? Okay, 
you know, here we go. And I think oftentimes our, our relationship with God is very much like that, right? We have, we have these initial stages where we get to know him or here, and then there's this ever deeper invitation, this ever deeper invitation. Um, you know, I've, I've been at this for about 26, 27 years, and every day it's like the Lord is saying, are you, are you willing to come deeper with me? Are you willing to come deeper with me? So is that, does that help, Gregory? Yeah, that definitely helps. Thanks, Father. Do you have any thoughts on it yourself? I mean, was there anything that's hitting you that as you're thinking about it? Um, no, I didn't. I was kind of just th- those were the only things that really stuck st- um, stuck out to me, um, and I just couldn't really. Yeah, wasn't. But th- was those, those are beautiful thinking. questions. No, they're they're great, and I think oftentimes I think that's what Jesus does these things is because he wants us to think, he wants us to go deeper and to ask. I think um, we have Lori from Tioga uh, online. Hi, Good Father. Good morning. Can you, can you hear me? What, yeah, what's in your heart morning. this morning? Um, <clears throat> well, when I was listening to the um, youth, the Catholic youth school, and they had their challenge uh, of Know Your Faith, <clears throat> they were talking about the precepts of the Catholic Church. They had a question, and they wanted to know how many precepts there were. Well, um when they came up with the answer and they, they said that there's uh, one, one area of our church that says that there's five, which, um, and then another area, which I believe is the Baltimore Catechism, that says there's six. How did we come up with five instead of six? Okay. You know, that's, that's a very good question. Let's, let's do a little something for our listeners so they, they can get on board with us. So, when we say precepts of the Catholic Church, you can think of like law. You might want to hear, use the word law, or you can even think rules. Or, but basically, we're talking about there's there's universal laws or rules that every Catholic throughout the world is is obligated to to be under. And so, um, so here would be okay. It's so like attending mass on Sundays and holy days. Okay, um, to then there's the Easter duty, going to confession at least once a year. Usually, that's around Easter time. Okay. Uh, receive the sacrament of the Eucharist at least once a year. Again, that's that's part of that Easter duty. We think of it that way. Um, ob- observe days of fasting and abstinence. Okay, and then uh, help help provide for the needs of the church. That's usually you know we think of tithing, um, um, uh, that kind of a thing. Um, and so then there's um, okay. So those would be the five universal ones. And I and I believe if you if you look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it's going to list those five, okay? But there's a sixth one that, that comes up in some places of the world, and that sixth one is in regard to observing all the laws of marriage put forth by the Church. Now, the reason you have two different lists, okay, where some lists are five and other places there are six, because the 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 rules regarding marriage within the church aren't necessarily the same in every region of the world okay so um so the and part of that is because marriage is territorial and each individual bishop oversees the the laws or the rules of marriage in in his particular diocese and so those the rules or laws regarding marriage requirements are not necessarily identical in every place so what you could say, you could say, well, that sixth precept about regard of marriage, you could make it universal by saying, 
observe the rules of marriage according to your local ordinary. And then that would that would cover the whole world and that would be a universal norm. But um but then to understand that there are different there are different rules in different dioceses regarding marriage. And so if you check out the, the universal norm, which is Catholic Catechism, Catholic Church, they have those five listed. But the Baltimore Catechism had six. And at the time the Baltimore Catechism was, was made, there there was only the rules regarding marriage were consistent for the whole United States at that time. So, okay. Uh-huh. Is that helpful? Okay. Very good. Cool. Well, thank, thanks for listening to the 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 kids and their and the the Catholic. You know, that's a that's quite an exciting thing that they're doing these days with uh, with. Yes. And, yes. It was very very interesting. Very. We we have some very wise youth out there. Did um, did you learn anything by listening to that? I did. I learned that I I have a done, done a very well job of um, studying our Catholic Church. I was able to answer almost all the questions. <laughs> you know, and I, I think it's I a little really easier maybe to, to answer them from the comfort of your home or your car than than being in front of a, a, a crowd and a bishop and uh, with with a time limit. So, yeah. Yes, yes, it, it, it is too. And and I and I did not go and look anything up except for when they came to say that um, the precepts of the Catholic Church. They said that there's five, and I'm like, uh, I can remember more than that. <laughs> so I had to go look that up. But and they well, didn't explain the answer, so I thought I'd ask you. Well, very good, and thank you very much for uh, calling this morning, and uh, God's blessings. Thank to you. you. Okay. God bless. All right. So here, let's. Uh, I've got another text message that has come in from uh, from uh, Gregory from Lincoln. So let's his question, and I don't know if I know the answer to this one, but his question is: He says in Matthew's Gospel, it, it says um, at the at the time of the Paschal Mysteries, so the death and resurrection of Christ, it says that the tombs were opened. And people rose from the dead, and people were seeing dead people were seeing coming back to life and walking around. And he he's wondering um, what happens. He said, do, "Do those people have to die again?" And uh, what happened to those people where they go? So, okay, so I'll confess. First of all, I don't know. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. But you know, I think of I often think of Lazarus as well, right? Lazarus, poor Lazarus. I say poor Lazarus, right? He 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 died. He had to pass through death. We all have to pass through death. There's Jesus. He raised him from the dead. And my first thought was, oh, great. If I was Lazarus, oh, great. Now I've got to die again, right? You know? Um, but yeah, it definitely says in Matthew's gospel that the people who were dead, their tombs were opened and they rose from the dead and they were walking about and, and the people who were living met them and saw them and talked with them. And so so obviously they they died again at some point. The difference is, they're dying with Christ now, right? Because they know Christ. And um, I, I know, especially as one who works with people who are dying, and, and in my past history, I worked with hospice. So I had many opportunities to be with people who, at the moment, they were dying. There's a huge difference in dying in Christ and with Christ and in faith and dying without believing God or knowing God. And even the actual process of, of dying is a completely different experience. And so, uh, Greg, that's a fascinating question, and I'm sure it's going to get a lot of us, myself and listeners, thinking uh, about that. Okay, so we have uh, another question coming in from Nancy, and we're getting this from Facebook. Okay, 
So uh, Nancy writes here, my question is about uh, this entire sex abuse scandal in the church. How does one find a good balance between staying informed about the news from good, reliable Catholic news sources and then dealing with the cynicism, sorrow, and downright incredulity that the lack of transparency in the church hierarchy seems to draw out of us? Sometimes I've come to feel that church politics is no different than Washington politics. I am specifically speaking to the elephant in the room that no one seems to be addressing. And, and she highlights the word homosexuality. Gosh, yeah, oh boy, that, that, that is a topic that is affecting all of us. And, um, and it's, boy, this, yeah, this is so loaded, you know, um, on so many levels. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd say I'll start just from the perspective as a priest who um, desires to be faithful to the Lord and, and, and to live faithful, not just as a priest, but as a Christian, as a man, as a human being on, on those levels, you know, and I often look and I say, well, you know, apart from the grace of God, um, there go I. And so I thank and praise the Lord for his grace, his life, for surrounding me with good people and people who support me and fellow believers. Now, so when something comes in here and, and we, we find out that the, the person we were trusting to, or who was our father figure and, and they were living a double life, and not just double life, but a life of, of sin and horrible sin, it it rocks us to our core. I mean, it affects us to the depth of our being, right? And and there's there's so many, it's 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 like having a real death. And when you have a real death, you you go you can go through all those emotions from from from, from anger to disbelief to denial to to even even strangely joy. To, I mean, there's all these things that come up in there, right? Every one of us, we, uh, we, we priests, we lay people, every member of the whole church, young and old, um, this is affecting us. And um, so at times like this, um, we, we really desire to have real fathers, good leaders, uh, good fathers who, who can come to us and talk to us and explain this to us and say they're with us and, and walking with us and, and, you know, talking about the, the pain of it and, and guiding us. And I think... Many, many, many of my, even my good parishioners and good fellow Christians who I know, and th these are good, good people, and, and they've been hurt deeply by what's going on. And as they as they're hearing the detail, and I think what's a little different um, from 2002 when we went through this, it has to do with social media now, where you know so many details are coming out, and people have access to so many details, and. And the details are really scandalizing and traumatizing people, okay? And so one of those is the just this question of, of homosexuality. Um, uh, today, for example, there's there's a, a man who's releasing a book, and it's it's going across the whole world. He's releasing it, in, I think, like twenty different languages, and and it's in he himself is a, is a homosexual man, and his deal is he he wants the church to embrace homosexuality, which the acting out as a homosexuality the church cannot support that we do support the person we do support the individual person okay and it seems like there's there's many homosexual activities that are tied in with with the scandal and, and what's happening here and and there seems you know and i'll say even myself there, there's pain in me like why can't we have honest discussions about this why why can't we we say the word why why can't we talk about it why and uh, yesterday the priest gathering and with brother priest and 
and and one of the priests and he reminded us he said you know i don't know if we're doing a very good job of reminding people that we love the person but we hate the sin that we love the person but we we hate the sin and and so you know we do we need to have discussions about this we need to talk with distinction to say there's a difference between a person who identifies as homosexual and acting out in homosexual ways and and we need to be able to talk about that differently and there's a difference between somebody who identifies as as homosexual and somebody who identifies as a chaste celibate spiritual leader priest bishop cardinal who then is living a duplicitous life and, and acting acting out in very immoral ways um, and so this it's definitely a time and then again the question here is about media you know what what's the media's role in this and and it, there really is a difference in the different media outlets how they present this what they choose to emphasize what they choose to not emphasize and and it really does seem lately that there are agendas behind um, and different media outlets and because of the nature of, of technology each person decides well which which media outlet that they want to listen to or, or, or to follow and so sometimes that gets very confusing as well you know what and, and so the church herself right now is at a point where we're, we're struggling to communicate well on this topic we we're struggling to own it we're, we're, we're struggling to know um, how to handle this properly in a, in a healthy way I know personally, I just, I come from a background, you know, growing up on a dairy farm where, you know, sometimes we've spent eight hours a day in that barn as a family, milking those cows and doing those chores. And, and we always ate together, we worked together and we talked together. And if we were upset with one another, we expressed it. If we needed to ask for forgiveness, we, we did it together. We, we tackled tough issues together. We worked through it together. We weren't always at the same place. And sometimes we had to give room for each other. But at the end of the day, we, we could look at each other, we could continue working together and say, okay, I respect you, I appreciate you, um, let's continue talking about this. But I, I do think we need to do a better job of being honest, being more open, um, and uh, treating the lay people with respect, knowing that they can, they can understand these things, they can handle these things. And I think even as clerics, owning the fact that sometimes we can't handle them. And, and we're not, you know, and we'll blame the lay people for, for we'll accuse them and say, well, they can't handle it, but it's really me. It's I'm the one who can't handle it. Or I have fear about these things or how to express them. Or I know it's a very interesting time to be in public as a priest. Uh, people, people see you in your clerics and so forth, and it evokes all kinds of things. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't, I don't resent that. I'm, I'm grateful for that. I, I take that as an opportunity of um, to, to receive whatever they have to offer, whether it's a it's a handshake and a good word, or uh, you know maybe it's it's some angry words or insulting words uh, as an opportunity. Maybe that's an opportunity for healing for that person. You know, just turn and say, you know, can I help you? What's on your heart, or your mind? And sometimes you can't do that, but you, you just take it. You 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 receive it and you endure it. I think as faithful Catholics and Christians, I think the lay people are experiencing this as well. And so we definitely, we want to pray for Pope Francis for that meeting. We want to pray locally, pray for your pastor, pray for your priests. And priests, we pray for the lay people. I want to thank everyone for their, their good questions and comments, concerns this morning. And um, please stay tuned for uh, our ticket giveaway on the next side of the break. <music> 